Let's pray. Father, as we listen to those words of that song, it is our desire. It's our desire, Father, that your church, the hope of the world, would advance the kingdom. Lord, when we listen to those words and we think about building your kingdom here, we know we're, we're not talking about the end kingdom. We're not talking about bringing in a new heaven and a new earth. That's your business. That'll be done in your timing, in your place. But Father, when we sing that song and we reflect on it, we are thinking about the fact that we, your church, are the hope of the world. And we want the kingdom message, the kingdom truths, the kingdom freedom, the kingdom that brings the grace of God through our King, our Lord Jesus, to be, to be something that not only we embrace and enjoy, but others also share in. So, Father, we pray this morning that you would set your church on fire. We pray, Father, this morning that you would speak to our hearts in such a way that we would see differently, that we'd have a new perspective of ourselves and of the world in which we live, that we would have a vision, clear vision, that would help us as we seek to negotiate through the challenges that we face every single day. Life is hard. But you are good. And we thank you as we pray these things, asking you to communicate and speak to our hearts. Each one of us, help us to see 2020. Help us to see clearly, real clearly today, why on earth we are still on earth. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember hearing stories about Ruth before Ruth and I got married. They, all, they were always worth hearing. Some of them were uh, very interesting. For example, when, when Ruth was a, just a, a child, she had difficulty seeing. In fact, everybody in her family, all the kids in her family had eye problems. But she had difficulty seeing... And finally, when she got some help and she went to the eye doctor and, and they discovered that her vision was very, very bad. And they gave her glasses. Now, for a child of her age, young, her glasses were really thick. That's how bad her eyes were. And after she got the glasses, they were driving along in the vehicle and she was sitting there looking out the window and she told her mom and dad, she said, the mountains... 
They're brown. Being able to see is a gift. Some people can't see. I think of Ryan and the gift that God's given him so that now with his new glasses, he's able to see more clearly. Vision is a gift. Being able to see is a gift. And when you don't have it, often you don't miss it. In fact, I remember the first time I got glasses. I knew I needed something, but life was busy. Things were happening. But you know, when you're driving along and you're going like this to see, squinting so hard you can't hardly look through your eyeballs, through your eyelids, you know that you have a problem. And so I did what all good, intelligent males do. I waited. I waited till it got worse. Finally, finally, I did get some assistance. And I got some glasses. And I'm telling you, it was, it was really wonderful. Uh, after squinting and trying to read signs at night and, and not being able to see them, to be able to uh, just kind of relax and drive and see signs at a distance and, and move on through, really, really, really encouraging. And those of you who wear glasses, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's wonderful to be able to see. And as our, as our good doctor tells us, Dr. Lang, she says, you know that uh, you need to get regular exams because things change. And if you're like me, and I'm like probably the common male, you know, you kind of put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. But don't do that. There are, there are four steps to correcting your vision. And I'm sure that there's more detail than I have here that, that uh, Dr. Lang can give you if you want it. But as I assess the uh, process, the first one is recognition. Recognizing that you have a need to be able to see better. I know that sounds really obvious. Recognizing it. Secondly, uh, you need to get a consultation. You need to talk to somebody about it. And you need to talk to someone who actually knows something about it. There are a lot of people who talk to a lot of other people about things that are going on in their lives. And a lot of medical stuff these days. And there's so much available on the internet. But you really need to ask questions from people who know what they're actually talking about. Get a good consultation. Thirdly, you probably need an examination. Probably need to go in and have your eyes looked at. Get blinded by that eye, that light that they shine in there to see the back of your eye and everything else, you know. And you probably need to have a little bit of uh, uh, drops put in so that uh, you have to wear those really cool sunglasses when you're all done with the examination. So they can really get a good look at your eye. So you need an examination. And then finally, after that, you need to listen to the prescription that's given to you. You know, do you need glasses? Ruth Ann was getting glasses so rapidly. Her, her eyes were so bad and they were getting worse so fast that she was having to get glasses almost every several months. Her prescription was changing that fast. 
And finally, the doctor, through this whole process, the doctor suggested hard contact lenses. So they gave him a try, and they put hard contact lenses in her eye. They told her she was going to be blind by the time she finished high school. Or was it junior high? I don't know. Ask Ruth. It was one or the other. It was pretty serious. Anyway, they put the hard contact lenses in her eyes. And you know, two things happened. Number one, the progression stopped. And number two, over time, her eyes have gotten better. It's really exciting. I could tell you some other stories about how God has worked in a supernatural way with regard to Ruth Ann's eyes. We just thank the Lord that she is able to see so well after all these years when they said she was going to be blind. It is so important to follow these four steps, not just for your physical eyes, but it's important to follow these same steps for your spiritual vision, to be able to see things clearly. It's, it's essential that you recognize that perhaps you need some help. Don't just continue on, same old, same old. Don't just continue to embrace whatever's happening because so often what happens spiritually is also what happens physically with people in their eyes. The progression sometimes can be so minute as it gets worse and worse and worse that one, one almost becomes oblivious to the fact that things are getting worse. So you have to be, pay, be paying attention. And that's another reason why you need to have an annual visit for your eyeballs physically and spiritually. You've got to take some time and let the Lord evaluate. Remember we looked at Psalm 139 together, verses 23 and 24, where the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And see if there be any evil way in, we, in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We talked about that together. We've got to keep on, on a regular basis, asking for that. So this morning, when you think about your spiritual life, you need to recognize that maybe there's a problem. And how do you tell if there's a problem or something that's amiss or askew in your spiritual life? Remember, several weeks ago, we talked about paying attention to the gauges of your life. Your physical gauge, your emotional gauge, your mental gauge, and your spiritual gauge. Pay attention because they have impact on one another. They affect one another. So pay attention. Recognize that there's a need. Spiritually recognize that. And then get some good consultation. Get some good consultation. I want to read a passage from Proverbs chapter 11. And verse 14, just really briefly, this morning, Solomon says, where, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So get some good counsel, spiritually. And then you need to get an examination. Come before the Lord and let him do some surgery. Put you through a couple of tests to see how you're doing. Again, this all ties together with the gauges that we talked about. And then finally, you need to pay attention to, attention to whatever the prescription is. 
Some people have cataracts and they need surgery. Spiritually, the same thing is true. Sometimes, sometimes you and I need glasses to kind of clear things up. Sometimes we need contacts to make things better. And sometimes we need flat-out surgery from the Spirit of God to correct our vision, to change us. Now, all that I've been speaking about from the standpoint of physical and your own spiritual life is also true of the church as a whole. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. That's from the, the authorized version. There's another version, the New American Standard, which says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Unrestrained. And there's also another translation that says that where there is no vision, the people are out of control. Out of control. Remember when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments? While he was up there in the presence of God receiving the Ten Commandments from God, what were the people doing? They had made a cow, a calf to worship, a golden calf. They were out of control. There was no direction. There was no clarity. There was no communication given by those that were there and left to lead them. And so they just went out of control. They went haywire. So this word perish, this word perish really does mean many things. It, it means that when there's no, there's no clear vision, people are lost. And not only are they lost, but people stay lost. They stay lost. The Bible makes it clear when you look at the scriptures that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. There's not a whole lot of ways to get to heaven. There's only one. And that's through the God-man, Jesus Christ. When that vision is not clear, when that truth is not clear, people perish. They perish. Secondly, when it says there's no vision, people are unrestrained, it means really that, that people have, have no constraints on them. When there's no clarity. Obviously, the passage is focusing on the fact that God has given us his word, has given us clarity, and when this clarity from his word is not communicated and make, made known, people are unrestrained. There's another way that the Bible puts it. It says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When there's no vision, when there's no clarity... People do whatever they want to do. And then finally here, when he says there's no vision and the people are out of control, it, it means that not only do they do whatever they want to do, but they are godless. They become godless in their activity and their lifestyle. I'll never forget when, when Candace was born. 
And Ruth, after Candace's birth, Ruth was at home with Candace. I think the third Sunday, Candace showed up at church with mom. But the second Sunday after Candace was born, one of the deacons came up and said, Hey, what's going on here? And I thought, what, what? (laughs) Uh, He said, where's that new baby? I said, well, Candace is home with mom. He said, what are you going to do? Let her make her own decision whenever she's ready to come to church? (laughs) You have to know this guy. He was a sweet guy. He was a character, always making jokes and stuff. So then he laughs and walks away. But the whole time he came on like he was really serious. You know, you're going to let her just make up her own mind. She's been born. You know, this is now going on three weeks almost. When is she going to get to church? <laughs> let me give you the definition that I, that I found rather intriguing for this word perish in the, in the Hebrew, word para. And it means to be loose. To be loose or to let loose. <laughs> to let loose or to do to do their thing. So where there is no vision, where there's no clarity, where there's no purpose that's defined biblically, people tend to do their own thing. During the time that I spent away, one of the things that the Lord impressed on my heart was that we needed clarity. We needed vision. Not new vision. The scriptures don't change. We're not changing the Bible at all. What we needed was clarity. We needed to have real clarity about what we are about here. And so in the process... The vision that is the same is going to bring, I think, some new definition and clarity for us as we go through the process and have gone through, personally, the process of recognizing we needed clarity. Vision was kind of askew, getting some much-needed consultation. By the way, recognition is important. Uh, James chapter 1 Verses 23 and 24 remind us that a lot of people are like those who look into the scriptures and read it and then they walk away and make no changes and they forgot what they look like. That is someone who doesn't recognize the, the condition of their, of their life. So we've recognized some changes are needed. Clarity is needed. Consultation has been a huge part especially consultation from, from the Lord. I, I want to read another psalm, Psalm 32 and verse 8. The Bible says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you with my eye upon you. And I think that that's really what God has done in this process of bringing clarity for for pinnacle. And with that clarity comes the examination. Psalm 26 and, 
and verse 2, uh, the Bible says, the psalmist says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and test my heart. Test me. Examine me. The result of that examination is the ability to, to have direction, and then, then we have the challenge of following the direction that's given. Don't you hate it? As a parent or someone in authority or someone who has responsibility, don't you just hate it when you give someone good, wise direction and, and they don't listen, they don't pay attention, they just kind of, oh well, whatever. And before we look at those uh, to our right and our left who do that, let's take a moment and just look in the mirror and realize by just raising our hands we're guilty. Any other ones guilty here this morning? I see a reluctance on the part of some to raise their hand, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Psalm 25, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. So together, as we follow the direction the Lord has for, for us, we want, we want to be uh, people that are pulled together and not just simply blown apart. We want to have cohesive function. We want to have vision and clarity. We want to go in the same direction together instead of having a lot of energy that goes in all kinds of different directions. We want to be laser-like. Not like many bombs that just explode and just create a whole bunch of havoc. And so in that process, what we have is a vision statement a vision statement that really is a, a tweaking, if you will, of a vision statement we had before. But the, the point is that whatever the choices would have been and whatever choices we make, they have to come from a grounding in the Scriptures. And Jesus told his disciples, his last words to them in Matthew 28 before he left was, Go. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the Father, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. In that statement alone, as well as others made by Jesus. What we have this morning for our church is a statement that simply says that our purpose is to turn fans of Jesus into followers of Christ who can change their world. Turning fans into followers who can change their world. And we're going to unpack that over the next several weeks. Next week we're going to look at the difference between being a fan and being a follower. And the week after that, what does it mean to change your world? We're going to talk about that together. And then the final week of September, we're going to, we're going to share the five core values that will drive the vision of, of our church.
guide us. But before we get to that, I want to give you a little snippet of what we're going to do right now. The month of September, October, November, some of December. As a church, we are going to focus our energy on helping as many as desire, as many that want. We are going to help you find out how God has wired you, how he has put you together. What are the gifts that he's given to you? What are your passions? What are the things that make you who you are? Because so often, when it comes to this vision as a church, so often people are serving in places because those places need people to serve, not necessarily because that's where they fit. And so you have sometimes people that are round and being shoved into a square peg or a square hole, and, and it hurts and it's painful and it's tiring. So we're going to do that. We started on Wednesday night with those who were here having a gift assessment, and it was exciting and fun. And anyone who has not done that, we want to invite you to do that and participate in that. And then we want to give you a little more information about what that really means. What does it mean to have certain gifts? And what does it mean, and, and what are the implications so that you understand more about who you are and how you've been put together? And I'm excited to tell you that uh, Carol Bowers is going to help invest a lot of time in accomplishing that. So if you filled it out, I'll be meeting with Carol later this week. If you filled out your assessment last Wednesday, then she'll probably follow up with that. If you have not done it yet, we'll probably try and coordinate either a group time or something where you can do that and then move beyond that and find out more about who you are. And so I'm excited that Carol is... is uh, not just on board and, and embracing the vision, but I'm also excited because that's what God has called her to do and she's impassioned about, and it fits with who she is. I'm excited about that. The other thing that we want to do through September, October, November, part of December, is we want to put together some real clear job descriptions, ministry expectations, and qualifications. Put them down on paper for all the various aspects of, of our current church ministry. Elders, deacons. Some of you already have some material on that, and we will ask you to share that, to uh, incorporate that into the process so that we can come up with these for the whole church so everybody has a better idea of what they're doing, why they're doing it. And all the things that we do, we want to tie into and ask the question, does it fit with our vision? Our vision is turning fans into followers who can change their world. Try that. Say it with me. Turning fans into followers who can change their world. So we're going to ask, does it fit? If it doesn't fit, we're going to have to tweak it, change it, or say goodbye to it. And I'm really excited and very thankful to tell you that the person who's going to be doing a whole bunch of that and helping in, the, in a majority, just like Carol with the gifts, is Shelly Short. Shelly Short is gifted and wired. Uh, and God has made her that way, and she's passionate about it. So we're going to let her do it. 
She was asking me the other day when we met. She said, now, are you going to tell the church so that they don't wonder what I'm doing when I go ask all these questions? Yes. Yes. If you recall a number of weeks ago, I was telling you that that I need to focus on the vision and the gifts and, and, and whatnot that God has given to me. And so in doing that, I need to empower those of you who are gifted and have vision and passion to do what God has made you to do. So I'm excited about that. The other thing that we're going to do during uh, September, October, November, and December is we're going to incorporate our kinship, our small group time. We're going to incorporate that into Wednesday nights. Again, unfortunately, because I can't be at every single kinship, I can't lead every single kinship, I can't be gone every night of the week to do that, and because we currently do not have individuals because of time constraint and whatever other reasons who are able to do that, we have to think about and ask God, how can we continue to develop this with the with the means that we have. And so Wednesday nights, rather than in homes currently, we're going to have our worship time, we're going to have a teaching time, and then after that we're going to incorporate the kinship group time that will encourage one another, strengthen one another, pray for one another. And there's a strategic part of this that fits into the vision that I'll share with you in a couple weeks. But it's very, very, very important. So as you think about As you think about Wednesdays as opposed to a kinship, as you think about Kara Bowers talking to you, trying to find out how you're wired, or Shelly Short asking questions, jump on board. Allow them to use their gifts in order to hone us as a church and make us more effective so that we can do this together for his glory. I was thinking about this uh, this truth and trying to communicate it, and I was asking God for some wisdom, and the Lord gave me... He gave me an illustration, and I said, Lord, I, I already used that. He said, so? I said, but everybody's going to remember it, remember it. Because I used it, I think, two years ago. And he laughed at me. How many of, re- of you remember what I said last week? That's what I thought. <laughs> and that's another reason why we are going to have to continue to keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to have to keep talking about this and reminding one another and telling one another that our vision, our vision is to turn fans into followers who can change their world. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Do you know if God wanted you to have incredible worship, you'd be in heaven. Because there's no worship like the worship that's going to happen in heaven. If God wanted us to have the most wonderful fellowship ever, He'd take us to heaven. 
Because there's no better place than heaven where we have no baggage with us. You've heard the little phrase? To live in heaven with the saints we love, oh, that'll be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, that is another story. So you see, we can have better fellowship there than here. We'll be perfect. What about knowledge? I mean, if you could have all the knowledge, all the knowledge, you know where you'd be? In heaven. In heaven, you'll have it all. You will know even as you are known, the Bible says. There'll be nothing hidden there. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you know, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. It'll all be clear. So now you know why it's so important for us to have a vision checkup. And to realize that we are not a seminary, are we? Although we study the Bible, that's our source of truth. We won't, we won't deviate from that. We're not just a fellowshipping church, although we love to fellowship. We're not just a worshiping church, although we love to worship. So why on earth are we still on earth? Especially today, if you are a Christ follower. I mean, if you have given your life to Christ and you're following him, why are you here? You and I are here because God wants to use us individually and as a church body. God wants to use us to be his conduit, his channel, through which he touches the world around us. He has no other way. That's both an amazing thought as well as a scary one. He's chosen us as human beings to be the ones that he uses to reach out to those who still need to know. Say it with me. So we are here to turn fans into followers right on who can change their world. That's why we're here. Charlie Brown was watching television. Lucy came in. And Lucy told Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, change the channel. Charlie Brown reluctantly balked a little bit. And Lucy said, Charlie Brown, I'm going to give you five good reasons why you need to change the channel. Each one of these reasons by themselves, Charlie Brown, mean absolutely nothing. But when I put them together, Charlie Brown changes the channel.
And dejectedly, he walks out the door. And as he's walking out the door, he's looking at his fingers like this and wiggling them in front of his face. And he's saying, how come you guys can't get together? What we are doing and spending September and October, November doing is getting together. Getting together as a body. Getting together as a church. Getting together so that we can have an impact. So we can do what we're supposed to do. So we can be what God wants us to be. So that we can turn... Let's try again, everybody. So we can turn fans into followers who can change their world. Amen. Because where there is no clear vision... People perish. They're unrestrained. They are out of control. Where there's no vision for a church, the church is out of control. With clarity, and we'll break the clarity down over the next several weeks. And we'll work together so that we can come together and be the most effective that God would have us be and we will rejoice, and we're going to have a blast doing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can think of nothing better than communion to recalibrate your vision. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus give his life? Why was he crucified? He, cru- he was crucified, and he was placed on the cross and died so that you and I might have life. He died so we could live. And he died not just so you and I could live and have a relationship with God through Christ. He died so that you and I could be the vessels through which that same message could be told to our neighbors and our friends and co-workers and our enemies too. So this morning as we share in communion, I want to ask you personally to just take a moment and reflect on your own spiritual life. Is your vision clear? Gain some consultation from the Lord and guidance from Him. Let Him examine you and let Him lead you in the way everlasting. And same thing as a church. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the gift, the gift of salvation in Christ. Even as it says in your word, we thank you for your unspeakable gift. It is so amazing and so wonderful to to think that we can have a relationship with you. We can walk into your very presence. We can talk to you. We can call you Abba or Daddy. And we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are yours and you are ours. All because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
our Lord and our God. This morning, Father, as we share in communion, give us clear vision. Clear, clear vision. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.